so you messed around to prove a point? Now, what'd I just say? No, you got your head so far up your ass, it took a cheap day for you to notice me. <laughs> what cue, man? Did I forget to kiss your ass like everybody else? You forgot to be there. That night you wanted to talk about your dad, I had curfew. What was I supposed to do? Stay! If I stayed, I wouldn't be starting. Well, at least you got your priorities straight. I never asked you to choose. You never have to. I'm a ball player. If anybody knows what that means, it should be you. For today's episode of Trouble with the Script, we're covering Love and Basketball. It's a movie that I think is honestly really underrated, even by myself, as before this rewatch and recording this podcast, I hadn't really regarded it nearly as highly as I should have. was fortunate to have Robert Littow from Black Sports Online to take the time to go over this one with me. I think our conversation made for a pretty good episode, and I hope you guys enjoy it. As always, if you're enjoying Trouble with the Script, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Rate and leave a review because I'd love to hear what you think of the podcast or anything you thought of certain episodes. Did we miss something? Did we hit on something that you really liked? Definitely let me know. Make sure to follow the podcast on social media at TroublePod on Twitter and at Trouble with the Script Pod on Instagram. And keep up to date on both past and upcoming episodes so you don't miss out on one of your favorite sports movies. With that, let's get going with Love and Basketball. Welcome to Trouble with the Script, the sports movie podcast that focuses on what worked, what didn't work, and what could have been done to improve our favorite sports movies. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. I'm really excited to present today's guest. He's the owner and editor-in-chief of BlackSportsOnline.com, Robert Latow. Robert, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you coming on. I'm really, uh, really excited to have you on. Uh, real quick, for the folks who might not be familiar, what is your background with sports, and what do you do over at BlackSportsOnline.com? Well, I always wanted to be a sports reporter, even from a, a little kid. So, you know, I think we all want to play basketball, football, baseball or whatever. But I'm like, that didn't work out for me. I always wanted to be uh, a sports reporter. I uh, went to Ohio State uh, and got my journalism degree um, and just happened to come along at a time where sports, uh, people getting their sports news on the Internet uh, was kind of a thing. Social media was just kind of in its infancy. And then that's when I started up. Black Sports Online. Uh, the reason that I started it up was on that um, in that platform in that genre of the online media. Uh, I just felt like there wasn't enough uh, black voices, there wasn't enough minority voices, with not enough uh, women uh, voices, and it felt like there could be a a, a niche uh, for a site like mine that would give uh, minorities and women an opportunity to talk about sports on a national scale uh, in a way that was unique and different and get, gave a different you know perspective and. Uh, when I started it, you know, almost a decade ago, I had no idea it would kind of blow up into, you know, what it is now, which is kind of the full-fledged scale media uh, outlet that covers everything from sports to entertainment, uh, you know, from hockey to basketball to the Avengers. You know, we kind of a little bit do- doing it all now. And I mean, you've you've built a a massive following. And I've kind of noticed, you know, one of the things you do along with with black sports, you do a lot of black pop culture which fits in perfectly with what we're going to do here because, um, you know, we're talking about the classic basketball movie, Love and Basketball. They play the same game. If you don't start a bad attitude, 
clinical file. No one's going to recruit you. I'm a ball player. With a jacked up attitude. They share the same dream. You'd love for him to play USC like you did, right? No, I'd love for him to get a good education. I don't know why I keep hoping you'll grow out of this tomboy thing. I won't. I'm a lesbian. <laughs> That's not funny. Damn. You don't look half bad. You either. Love and Basketball is a a 2000 romantic basketball drama about two next-door neighbors, Quincy McCall and Monica Wright, who are pursuing their basketball careers while also eventually falling in love for each other. Uh, Monica and Quincy are played by Sanai Lathan and Omar Epps. So, Robert, right off the bat, where does this movie rank for you uh, among your personal favorites? It's one of my favorites. I wouldn't say it's my favorite sports movie. But I do think it's my favorite sports movie that has, I would say, a primarily uh, African-American uh, cast. Uh, it definitely ranks up there. And, and, and during that time in the late 90s, early 2000s, there were a lot of these different type of movies with a primarily African-American and, uh, uh, cast, but they, none of them were really sports-centric. you know, centric. So it kind mm-hmm. of brought my two worlds uh, together, you know, like as far as sports movies, I think, you know, White Man Can't Jump, uh, Major League or, or like two of my, you know, probably my top two favorites and Any Given Sunday is up there. So it's a, it's a little bit farther down on the sports movie side. But in that time period uh, where you were seeing these young uh, African-Americans on screen in their predominantly their own movies, that was kind of a new thing. Uh, for someone of my age at that time, who was in my very early 20s, late teens, early 20s, it was very, uh, you know, especially with Omar Epps, uh, because I originally found, you know, Omar Epps, everybody knows him originally from Juice with Tupac. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that movie's kind of iconic to me. And, you know, he went on to do a lot of those type of movies afterwards. And I think this is probably the best of those movies that he did. He did higher learning and some other things, but I think this was the best of those movies. Mm-hmm. Well, don't forget that uh, that Omar Epps and uh, his co-star in this movie, Dennis Haysbert, were also in Major League Two together. And yes, right. Yeah. Willie Mays Hayes. Willie Ma- <laughs> the, the, the remake of Willie Mays Hayes. The remake, yeah. Took over from Wesley Snipes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and my uh, we we did uh, Major League way back in episode three of this podcast, and my my guest host for that episode argued that Omar Epps was a better Willie Mays Hayes, which I have to say I disagreed with, but uh, I I thought you know just swinging it back into love and basketball, I I thought he was very good in this movie uh, as a as an athlete. And the thing is, Major League Two is it's it's hard with sequels, you know, especially yeah. when the first movies are so iconic. I always felt like, you know, Major League is about as perfect of a comedy movie that you can, you know, get. Uh, so they were going to be going uphill, you know, from that. I mean, Wesley Snipes obviously felt he was much bigger uh, coming after that. Uh, so it's one of those type of movies where I don't think it was a bad movie on its own. It's just it just something just can't compete with the original. So where I think this movie is really unique in terms of sports movies is that sports movies, they're either usually comedies or dramas. And not only is this one unique in that it's an just a completely African-American cast-driven movie for the most part, but it's also a romantic drama. And that's not in the sense of usually if a sports movie is a romantic drama it's one guy is the athlete you know one person is the athlete and he's dealing with he or she is dealing with you know the the love interest off the court whereas this is unique where it is two athletes in two 
simultaneous careers on Ascension trying to deal with that, which I, I felt was very compelling as a movie. Yeah, I think the, the thing that's really uh, that connected me and I think connected others to this movie is even though it has an athletic spin to it, the relationship in and of itself, especially that black love relationship was something that young black people uh, could relate to because so many times uh, in our lives growing up in, in certain areas, you know, you're, you know, this is before, you know, the internet, social media, where you can just kind of, you can always, you know, reach out to people. But, you know, back in those days, it was like, hey, you know, your neighbor was your, 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 your elementary school girlfriend. Um, and that neighborhood of friends, you know, were the ones when you grew up were the one, the, you know, the woman or the man that you ended, you know, up with. And, and, and so it was very relatable uh, to the life uh, of a lot of young, I think, from, you know, young kids to teenagers to young adults, that life was very relatable with the problems that they had, the breakups, the makeups. I thought it was very relatable to that time period uh, in my life and I think in a lot of people, young black people's lives at that time. Yeah, so in, in, in going with that, on even on like Wikipedia, it says this is an American romantic drama film. It doesn't mention mm -hmm. basketball in the description. What do you think the ratio is of basketball, of this is a basketball movie to this is a, a romantic movie? Is it 50-50? Is it 60-40? What, what do you think? It's probably 70-30, to be honest with you, because I think the basketball, the, the, the basketball is not in the sense of, you know, let's go try to win a championship. Let's, mm -hmm. you know, let's see who many points. The basketball is more of a metaphor of life and a metaphor of relationships and dealing with, you know, family members and friends and, and adversity. Like, I, I think they use the basketball in the movie, the 30% of it, uh, as more plot points as opposed to, you know, how athletically, you know, gifted these people are or this team is winning or this team is losing. I think it was all of the basketball is to set up a, a greater lesson, which I think makes it, you know, more interesting, to be honest with you. I agree, but I think what also makes the movie so good is that they didn't mail in the basketball either for the plot right. points. I thought the the basketball action in this movie holds up real well. You know, but before we get going, I want to ask you, this is something new I'm doing on the pot on a realism scale of 1 to 10, um one, you know, I'm, I'm going to going to send out a, a request for for any listeners if you can come up with a good name for this scale. I was thinking maybe one is uh, is summer catch or, or trouble with the curve in terms of bad action, and then a ten is uh, you know maybe major league. Major league has has great sports action, something like that. So it, on a scale of one to ten, where do you think the realism in this movie you know falls in as far as the basketball centric action? Uh, I think about a, I would say a seven eight, and I think the reason is the director uh, who's a female director. I believe, um, was, if I'm not mistaken. That is, that is correct. correct. Yeah, that is correct. Gina um, Price Bythewood. I'm sure I just yeah, butchered she, her name, but. Yeah, she, um, I believe, was either a college basketball player or, you know, she had some athletic uh, history. Uh, so she was real serious about, you know, if you're going to play, you got to play it, you know, well. So I think that happens when you have a director that has an athletic uh, background. And and I like you said, I, you know, obviously – Omar Epps and Sinai Lathan put in a, a, a lot of work. So that, like you said, I don't think they definitely mailed it in. While I do think that it's a plot device, they didn't want it to seem, you know, I, what's that movie? Uh, it has, it's a basketball movie that's common in it uh, with uh, 
Queen Latifah. Like that looks terrible. Yeah, so, like, I, I know. <laughs> I remember what you're talking about. I can't. I can't right. remember the name, but really, I remember yeah. what you're talking about. They, I think they wanted some authenticity because you had to believe that you know Omar Epps was capable of being a you know a lottery pick. You had to believe that Sanaa Latham was someone that had to work. Um, you know, to kind of go up the level that she had to go to. And I think they did a good job of that. And maybe because it was, it started from the bottom. Like it didn't start off with him in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like they maybe could have went, you know, that way with it. But they start literally from the bottom and explaining, you know, what's going on and see them work through high school, college, you know, NBA, I think, you know, is is, is something that uh, helped with the authenticity of it. Yeah, they, they made it a very uh, authentic film. I want to go into uh, what you thought the most authentic and least authentic uh, sports-centric parts in the film were. Did you have something that, that stood out to you as the most authentic? Um, I, I felt that, if this makes any sense to you, I felt that the Sanai Latham character... That's exactly struggle, what I had written down. Yeah, yeah her, her, you know, Monica, her struggle to me and... Is it's more real? I should say it's more realistic, but I think it felt more realistic because that's how the majority of athletes are really are. You know, they're not just handed the keys, you know, to the castle and everything. So her dealing with, you know, trying to from high school on, uh, trying to prove herself, uh, dealing um, in a sport that's male dominated. I thought her journey felt more authentic. And it's not that Quincy's uh, journey didn't. It's just that it, it everything was set up for him. And yeah, he, he you know he turns his ACL at the end, but he quote unquote he succeeded. If you know what I mean, like you know he mm-hmm. star in high school. Uh, yeah, he had his one year in college, but he he had immediate success. He had to deal with some things, but it was immediately successful. And he gets drafted in the NBA, and he plays for five years and however long you know they don't really tell us after his. ACL industry. So he had a good career. Was it Hall of Fame? No, but if the if the goal is to make it to the NBA and be successful for a period of time, he did that, which is is you know, and people t- and not saying that turning your ACL is a is a good thing, but it's not an uncommon career threat like that he broke his neck or anything like that. So I felt her journey and the, that part was a little more realistic than some of the things that were going on with Quincy. Mm-hmm. And I think basketball wise, I think the movie invested more in her journey too. I think we were a little more invested in what was going on with her. We saw a little more of her playing, but as far as how she carried herself on the court, I thought she looked like a ball player. I, I breezed through the IMDb trivia and apparent uh, trivia, and apparently she, you know, she didn't have much of a basketball background, which you could not tell. No. And and she really carried herself like a basketball player. She kind of had some swagger. I liked that, you know, the, her her being kind of a hothead and competitive was believable. It wasn't like she was overdoing it. So yeah, I thought I thought she was the best part of the movie. The it, and you know something from basketball another, wise. Another little part of that, I like the way that they flipped the script on that because normally in any type of athletic movie. It's always the guy that's the hot-headed one, that is the aggressive one, that's the one that's angry all the time, and it's maybe the woman is a little more soft, a little more demure, a little mm-hmm. more hold his hand, and you know, and he it is weird because that's what Quincy wanted. He wanted somebody to hold his hand and, and listen to him and not deal with their own problems. But she was really the more, you know, the more alpha of, of the two of them. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and she says that, and this is something that I, I had down in the you know the what works section, but it, you know the, it, this fits in with what we're talking about with Monica is that she acknowledges that she gets different treatment. She gets that weak tech in the first game. You know, just she uh, she stares down that girl after she scores on her or whatever. She gets that weak technical <laughs> and she acknowledges that she gets treated different because she's a woman and, and guys can say whatever they want on the court and act whatever. But she gets, uh, you know, unfairly judged for being competitive and, and being intense. I'm warning you, if you don't start a bad attitude, no one's going to recruit you. Please. You jump in some guy's face, you you talk smack, and you get a, a pat on your ass. But because I'm a female, I get told to calm down and act like a lady. I'm a ball player, okay? So, you know, they, they bring that aspect in, too. It just, with that character, that they just nailed it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely thought that her, I think she carries uh the movie and i think it's like i said it's, I, one of the points that i really enjoyed about the movie is that they kind of flipped it because it's normally the male that's the alpha and the woman that is kind of like you know you know just kind of it's the support uh i think they had them on equal levels that if anything she was a little bit more of the alpha than, than him mm-hmm. so i'm gonna take lead on what was the least authentic and it's something that stuck out to me and I will say that this is necessary for the plot of the movie because Quincy needed to leave SC for them to kind of go their separate ways. But this movie was made in 2000 when guys could you know go straight out of high school, when freshmen were leaving. But Quincy was at, at USC 1988-1989. Do you, know, do you know how many freshmen were taken <laughs> in the draft in, in 1989, both rounds? You tell me. One. Sean One, Kemp okay. out of Trinity Sean Valley Kemp. Community College, okay. which okay. worked out. Yeah, it worked out for definitely. Yeah, first pick, uh, Purvis Ellison, senior. Second pick, Danny Ferry, senior. Uh, third pick, Sean Elliott, uh, senior. I think the first four picks are seniors. Didn't get a junior until the fifth pick. So, okay. you know, clearly different times in the NBA. So draft. back then, it was it was definitely you know two, three, four year. Uh, college thing back in, in, in those times. Not mm-hmm. a lot of high school, not a lot of uh, one and done back then. You're expected to, to stay. Cause, I mean, even the great Michael Jordan stayed, you know, three years. So most players uh, stayed multiple years. I, I didn't even think about that. That's a, that's a very good point. Yeah, it, it jumped out to me because I felt like when I was watching, I was like, well, so he was in college before the Fab Five and Chris Weber didn't leave until his sophomore year. So. Correct. Uh, but again, it was it was necessary for the plot, so I'm not going to kill the movie for it. Because this movie, anything that quote unquote didn't work is really kind of a nitpick. Because you know the the movie itself is pretty authentic basketball wise. So that that was the one thing that that stuck out for me. Was there anything that that didn't work for you? Was the least authentic for you? Um, I, you know the it, it, you know a lot of people like the ending. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I I wasn't I wasn't that um, I, I I I get the ending I get you know why it's like that uh, but you know even back in the the time that he was playing ACL in, injuries didn't end careers um, so it seemed like he could have still been playing and they both could have been you know playing at the same you know mm-hmm. time but I, I think the point 
the point to try to, and like I said, I don't want to say this as a as a negative way, but I think I think the whole point of the movie was for her to for the roles to be switched. Um, and by the end, that's what you got. But I, I thought, you know, there's no, he had already been in the league for five years and he, he's a good player. So a decent player, at least, uh, you know, why can't you just, you know, come back from your ACL and, you know, she playing and she playing and, and you know, there's your happy ending. I, I don't think we had to necessarily emasculate him uh, at the end of the movie, uh, you know, to get, you know, that point, you know, across. So I, I, I was never like a huge fan of the ending. Um, also, I thought it was kind of, and, and this is just maybe just me. I mean, if you're engaged to somebody, I think we're both engaged now, mm-hmm. you yeah. and I. Uh, at that point, you should really have a level of love that even if your old girlfriend comes back into play after several years, you don't, you know, just up and leave the person that you're engaged with. So, like, I know, like, it's a love story, and I'm like, oh, that's a beautiful love story. But what about Karen? That was kind of. Yeah, because they didn't really they didn't really hint that there were any troubles between them besides the quick shot of her not letting him bring some of the shit from his high school bedroom to wherever yeah. they were moving, which like is not that crazy it's, a request. Right. So I can see if she was like an evil person or like that they I mean, obviously by that time in the movie, I don't think they had time to flesh it out. But she seemed like a nice enough person and he obviously loved her enough to want to marry her uh so if he let's just say for instance he didn't love her enough he shouldn't be engaged and shouldn't be planning the wedding in the first place shouldn't have anything to do with monica if he felt that way even before she stepped into the scene then there obviously was problems so if she just steps in the scene and that's all it took literally that's all it took for you to you know be moving in with somebody you get married you engage you're planning the wedding to just be like "Ah," you know this was really the person i should have been he should have figured that out well before so while it's a love story and i know everybody's happy that they got together it was kind of crappy how it actually happened if you if you just think about it as regular people it's like you didn't know this was a movie and you said hey remember quincy from such he was was engaged for a year to such and such but his old girlfriend came back and he left you know a couple of months before the wedding like people be like that's not good you know so yeah, that's, that's kind of messed up yeah i i would have yeah. i would have rather they made her something other than a home wrecker i would have rather like he came to her like he flew out to spain right 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 i agree I, I think if he comes to that conclusion on his own without you know the whole let's play basketball and you you know break up with your wife which i think or your fiance which i think for her perspective from her that's kind of crappy too Let's play a game of one-on-one to see if you leave your fiance. If you just think about that in a vacuum without a movie, like that's a really, that's a really awful thing to do to another or you know, woman, even if it's just a, a, a game. So if yeah. it, I think it would have been a little better if he maybe at the point where she says, you know, you don't you don't want his high school stuff in the room, he looks at the picture or he looks at a letter she wrote or something and just realizes that it's, it's she's not the one for him. And he really still has feelings for this other woman because if you have that type of feelings for another woman, you probably shouldn't be getting married in the first place. Yeah. And then, like you said, he flies out to Spain or he catches her somewhere else, or maybe he breaks up his engagement and they then they just happen to meet at a coffee shop or something like that. It it would be a little less drama, a little less love and hip hop ish, you know, type of ending. Uh, but yeah. people don't bring that up because it's it's a movie. It's a love story. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's why we're here. We're here to break down the authenticity. 
right. what else worked for you? What what basketball wise, you know, stood out to you? You know, we kind of already said like the basketball action is real good. Were there was there anything else that you know you were really into that you thought worked well and and brought the movie along basketball wise? Basketball wise, I thought it did a good job, which is crazy because this is you know supposedly like you said early two thousands or whatever. Um, it really did a good job of showing how women struggle um, to get attention, to get paid to live out their dream um, playing, you know, professional basketball. It's kind of the same thing that they talk about now in 2019, which I think that, you know, is, 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 shows how the movie is kind of timeless in that because those struggles that she was dealing with basketball wise and playing basketball and playing overseas, which I thought are all things that you see in real life when it's basketball right now. The same thing that they're talking about, the WNBA, the playing overseas, the having to get another job, all of that stuff I thought was really, really good. And from Quincy's side, I thought the basketball, the basketball was good, but I thought the story of just because you're a lottery pick and just because you have this pedigree doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be uh, a star. And I think that's what his dad was trying to explain, you know, to him because um, we see that all the time. So I thought you know, basketball-wise, it did show that, hey, you know, you were you star in college, star in high school, you get to the pros, you get traded. You know, I think, I thought, you know, from maybe not the on-the-court stuff, but from the management style stuff or the press and the media and the attention and the not, you know, being able to hang, stay with a team and getting traded, I thought that was, for, for that time of year, was uh, really kind of, show a little bit of what happens in the inside of what's happening between both female basketball players and male professional basketball players. Yeah. With Quincy's struggles, they kind of hint at it when he gets put in with the Laker game, they mention you know, leaving early and they kind of allude to the fact mm-hmm. that oh, maybe he wasn't ready. And right. That's right. Very, you know, that's very common. It's very authentic. And, you know, like you said, female basketball players now, you know, still have to uh, mm-hmm. go overseas. I think, uh, you know, the Brianna Stewart, who's one of the best players in the WNBA, got, you know, injured because mm-hmm. she, had to, she had to go play overseas Jeez, just yeah. to, uh, yeah, just to go make a, you know, make, make a, a decent lift. living yeah. playing basketball. So, yeah, that was authentic. Uh, you know, everything, everything they did with uh, – one thing I really like was in – I wish they had done this more in the movie – which I'll touch on later, but the the first person view of Monica during her high school game, when they're showing like what she's it's her inner monologue and what she's looking at and what she's thinking, and I thought that was really good. I thought that was cool. I really loved that. Forty-four spray. Forty-four. Down four. Down four. You got this. Don't get tight. She's laying off. She's laying off. Pull up. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Down one. Down one. Come on, come on, Dia, Dia, come on. Watch the ball, watch the ball. Watch the ball. Now. Don't blow this. Cross it, take it right. Watch left, watch left. Yeah. Okay. Dia, come on. Come on. Play smart. Up one, play smart. You got this. Got this. Play smart, play smart. Got this. Play smart. Don't put that out there. What? Reach it in. Yeah, that was a good little. Uh, I like that too. I like that kind of inner like monologue 
Um, yeah, I thought it was a yeah, I thought it was a cool yeah. a cool feature. One other thing she uh, that it, that kind of fits to this time that uh, Monica gets in trouble for to practice when she's on the breakaway, but she pulls up and shoots the three instead. Mm-hmm. And you know, nineteen eighty nine, yeah, she's going to get in trouble for it, and the coach is going to make her hold that you know that shooting pose for the whole the rest of practice. But now <laughs> that's common. You get on a breakaway, you're looking for the dude on the wing ready to hit the three. I think that's another really thing that I like about the movie is that the movie itself, uh, even though it's, you know, almost 20 years old now, it's some of the themes of the movie are are so relatable to today. Now, they didn't know that, obviously. <laughs> uh, but you, like you said, you can pop this in right now. You can say, oh, I can see that. I can see that. Oh, that makes sense. And the relationship wise and the basketball wise. And you don't get that from a lot of sports movies uh, that are dated because, you know, things change so much with sports that the movie becomes dated. But I think with this, you know, you can pop this in at any time. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that most clearly work is aside from probably like the fashion, uh, You this movie slides into 2019, 2019 pretty seamlessly. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's almost ahead of its time uh, a little bit. So I, I think uh, some of the themes, you know, or like you said, it's just uh, – not knowing how the internet and social media and everything was going to be, but some of these themes that they have really fit in well with what's going on, uh, you know, right now. Mm-hmm. And I like that they got the the old ESPN coverage. That was just kind of a nice nostalgia hit. They had Dickie V and, <laughs> and Robin Roberts on the desk. That was bad. thinking about how how great Sports Center was back in the day. That was a nice uh, throwback to some nostalgia. Uh, but all in all, I mean, this, you know, basketball-wise, the movie did a great job. Like we said, they could have mailed it in, but, you know, they they really put the work in to make it good. Before we get into what didn't work, I've got a couple, like, just one question. And it, this is kind of, this isn't really a what didn't work, but it's a, so Quincy is, you know, a, the son of an, an L.A. Clipper, you know, son of a, a longtime NBA player. Guy wasn't a flash in the pan, longtime NBA player, had some money. Would he really be going to Crenshaw? Would he really be going to a public high school? Crenshaw High School has <laughs> produced a ton of athletes, but I feel like in reality, Quincy's at some like, you know, prep academy. He's at like Matter Day or one of those uh, one of those private schools in L.A. See, I guess the question is: is the reason that his father was so into you know getting the education and staying in school and all of that stuff is because maybe he blew the money, which we know happens. Uh, a lot with with athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't really they didn't do a good job of explaining you know what that situation was beyond the fact that uh, you know he just he, he wanted him to you know to stay at school and he kind of really think so was he trying to lessons was he trying to teach you know these are the mistakes I made don't make these same mistakes you know I came out you know early I was you know I had a long career but I didn't you know manage my money right et cetera et cetera because. It did not look at least like, you know, they were super rich uh, from from what I could tell, you know, at least. But yeah, but if, if they were, you know, if he if he was that type of player, you think they would be somewhere, you know, besides Crenshaw. Uh, but I always took that to mean that his dad uh, didn't, you know, do things correctly and was trying to make sure that his son didn't make mistakes. Yeah, that, and that's a good point. That, that's just something I wanted to point out because normally you see those kids, 
you know, sons of, of NBA players, sons of athletes are always at those, you know, those prep academies or whatever. And, and Quincy's going to the same, you know, the same high school as Ricky from boys in the hood. So right, and it, it didn't even look like, because, you know, they're, they're, they were childhood friends, meaning that they were from the same neighborhood. It didn't look like they left the no. neighborhood. So I'm assuming at some point he had some money and they probably would have left the neighborhood. So that is probably a bad plot point, but I had always looked at it more as, he, even though his dad, you know, played in the NBA, that maybe he wasn't around at the beginning of Quincy's life or he lost all his money and he was trying to repair the relationship, uh, which we also see from a lot of um, sports, you know, athlete dads. Because sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, like the dad is not around and the mom still has to handle everything and maybe the child support is not what it needs to be. Um, and then they only start taking an interest in the kid once the kid starts showing that he has athletic ability. Well, one of the uh, one of the themes of this movie, this isn't really necessarily something that didn't work, but it, they kind of basically made it a theme that young pregnancy traps you. Uh, mm-hmm. Between you know Quincy's dad, he you know he tells ends up telling Quincy when they're having that argument that you know his mom got pregnant at nineteen. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Quincy's mom is always telling him, don't let, you know, basically don't let these girls trap you. They basically, yeah. they lay the groundwork very clearly that uh, the worst thing that can happen to you is getting trapped by a pregnancy if you're a sports star, which is kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you always got that feeling that that relationship was strained. <laughs> Extremely. Um, uh, strained in, in a certain uh, way, and he felt like it weighed heavily on uh, Quincy. But once again, it was another theme that I think, uh, especially in the African American community, you see that unfortunately far too often. Um, and you know they're trying to address that while also going through, you know, the you know the other parts of the movie and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Basketball wise, what didn't work for you? Was there anything that jumped out? Uh, you know, as an obvious, yeah, not too realistic. There's really not a lot. It's really all, and, and this is kind of a theme of this podcast with good sports movies. Is that a lot of the times it's very nitpicky stuff. I think the I think the one thing that they did well is they didn't overdo it. You know what I mean? Like no. they're not they're, there's not too many what I would consider long basketball scenes where you know maybe the extras and stuff seem a little bit obvious. They're always a kind of short, uh, to the point, real quick, in and out, close that they do a lot of close up, so you really you know what I'm saying? So you can't really see exactly everything that's that's going on. I always think wider shots in sports movies make it a lot more obvious that, you know, they just got random people out there playing mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I didn't really find much wrong with it only because I don't think they dwelled on it uh that long you know what i mean like they didn't they didn't do it if anything i mean it's just like pretty much any other basketball movie you can tell that the people that they're playing with are not professional basketball players <laughs> mm-hmm. uh so uh yeah, i mean if you know at the point you know he's with the lakers i mean i you know at that point you know who's on the lakers so you know what i mean like it's not you know you know that's not the same thing but i thought for the most part it, you know they kept it the way they shot it and the way that they put it out there was not uh it was to maybe kind of even take away a little bit from the basketball because it's so story centric yeah the camera is rarely not on quincy and monica Mm -hmm. on the court and if it's on someone else it's a blur or it's a background or something 
the exactly. only the only thing that really jumped out uh, in that that scene we were talking about earlier, the the first person view one that we really liked. The one problem is Monica bricks a shot that you know is is for the tie or for the win or something. She bricks a shot, and when they show it kind of from her view, it hits off the backboard. It barely touches the uh, the right edge of the rim. Then they show another kind of slower motion shot of it, and it like clanks. Like it hits off the backboard and, and <laughs> it's a clearly different shot. I'm like, you guys could have, that was not a hard cut. I'm no film pro, yeah, uh, but that's not a hard cut. Uh, the other thing, uh, Quincy, his freshman year, they lose a game. They're, they're playing Temple. They're, they're kind of showing how Quincy, things are going downhill for him a little bit. It's that game where he struggles, just found out his, you know, his parents are basically splitting up. And after the game, to show that that Temple beat USC, they just show a Temple player going, "Yeah, baby, we won!" Like, <laughs> which I thought was just really funny. Like, that's not how you celebrate a win. You just, you know, you don't have to tell everyone, "Yeah, we won." Like, they're just like, "Okay, we need to." What's the best way to find out that Temple won? We could show a scoreboard, or we could just have a guy yelling. So, uh, right. it's, you it's, know, other than that, there's really, really not anything. anything. I looked up the one thing they show the USC women's team playing in kind of like that super small gym, like smaller than my yeah. high school gym. Right. I looked it up and it says they play in the LA Memorial Coliseum. You know, it's it, not a small gym. It's a- yeah, they they wouldn't have the uh, that would be a that, even in 1989 that would have been a riot if the women are having to play in that tiny gym and the men are playing in the arena. Right. So, you know, a lot of those movies, those those African-American centric movies from that time, they had a very small budget and were dealing with young stars. Uh, so, you know, they didn't have the big, you know, budgets, you know, like if Omar Epps and Sonata Latham was in a movie now, the budget would probably be a lot, uh, you know, bigger. Uh, but they were on those kind of shoestring budgets. So, you know, I think that's something where, you know, hey, we got to make a cut. We can't rent out an arena. Um, you know, maybe have to rent out arena for a bigger shot. So we have to kind of take, you know, the cut right here. Yeah, I think it might have been a creative liberty thing, too, because kind of showing that Monica's playing on like a smaller Mm -hmm. scale, whereas Quincy's getting the arena and the, you know, the big, you know, everyone, everyone's on top of him and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it might have been something like that. But otherwise, there's really not a whole lot to go on this movie, kind of like you said, because they kept it so focused on those two and story driven and they just made sure that those two look the part right i it could i mean you, you you're right you know it could be it could be story driven um uh, you know it could be it could be story driven that they just wanted to make it uh you know get because i think that's a, a big central theme and that kind of circles back around is that quincy's the star pretty much the entire you know movie um, and then at the end, it's Monica who's quote unquote the star uh, at the end. Uh, so yeah, so maybe it was a creative way of trying to say it. But then if you do that, you know, maybe they'll pick USC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, she was dead set on USC, but I feel like if during the recruiting visit they were like, "And you're going to play in the small high school sized gym," she might have pumped the brakes. Yeah. So yeah, I think you know, yeah, USC was not maybe the right one for that. Yeah. Let's go to the best on-screen athlete. And I think we kind of we kind of already already crowned this one. I feel like there's no other choice but Sanai Lathan is the the best on-screen athlete. Yes, I think she did a, a a great job. And I don't know if that's because I think it's maybe a combination is that you know we watch so much NBA basketball, college basketball, high school basketball. We know how athletic those guys are. 
So Omar Epps, who did it, I thought did a great job. He, you know, he just it, it's not that it's hard to envision him, being that you just know that he's not one. Whereas Sanaa Latham looks like she could be a a, a, a female, like a pretty good college, you know, basketball player, a pretty good WNBA player. She has because their size differential and things like that uh, are as apparent. You know, Omar Epps is is you know probably five nine. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. so they did know what they could, but you just know that he's not an NBA player where you can maybe see and visualize Sanaya's a little bit more as a, as a female basketball player. Yeah, I think Omar Epps did fine, fine enough to where we're not going to say he's the worst on-screen athlete. I think right. I think that's a designation I want to give. He did fine. I just think uh, Sanaya did great. I want to give an honorable mention to Christine Dunford, who played Coach Davis, uh, Monica's coach. Uh, I, I did a thing way back in episode one about the brick wall test, kind of a coach you'd want to play for, run through a brick wall for. I don't know if I'd want to run through a brick wall for her, but I really liked her in that performance. And when when Monica finally goes to her office and talks about, well, you're always riding me, and she said something that kind of it, – it, my my college coach said something when I was in college that kind of echoed it. Um, basically saying, I wouldn't be on you. I wouldn't yell if I didn't care. You know, when when right. I ignore you, you're in trouble. Something like that. So I, I thought she did a good job as that coach trying to get the best out of Monica. Once again, I thought that was another play on the fact that Monica was, you know, what is what normally is seen as the male athlete uh, in, these, in these type of movies. That they're the athlete that you know, normally has to be toned down and need the pep talk and everything like that. And, and it ended up being her. So I think that was really uh, a good twist on it and a good twist on the, the entire movie uh, that she kind of took on that role. I agree. I agree. I mean, it, it's a it's a very good movie. Would you improve it? Is there any way to improve it? What would you do? Would you make any any changes, any you know, quick things, big things? Do you have anything that you would want to improve it? Yeah, like we talked about before, I, I thought the ending is cool because, you know, you want them to get together. Uh, but I don't think it's really a good thing to put on screen that the way that you get together is leaving your fiance high and dry uh, and having the, the female say that, you know, the way we're going to decide that is through a basketball game. I just thought, that's just not nice things that nice people do. And you want to think that the, you know, oh, you know Monica and, and them are, is a, are a nice couple. Uh, you want to root for them, Monica and Quincy, but what they did at the end was not nice. And you know who, you know, if you really want to think about it, you know what damage did that have towards you know Karen? You know, maybe she put deposits down on the floor, so you don't know what she does. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's know, a bad happened, look. Yeah, what happened to the ring? You know, you know, maybe she never gets over there. While they're all happy and living great, you know, what happened to her life? So I, I think that they definitely could have came up with a, a ending that is not. You know, just to be honest with you, them being a dick uh, about his current, you know, relationship. There's a there's an, an alternative world. There's a sequel where Tyra Banks is just plotting how to ruin their lives. She's yeah, just furious. She's throwing she darts at a dartboard with their faces on it. I mean, they had a house. I mean, come on. I mean, anybody that's gone through, you know, getting a mortgage and things like that. I mean, it's these things that they were doing before their wedding that were not like things that are easily you know, correct it. Like once you get that far with it and they just say, oh, we're just going to skip ahead a couple of years and act like none of it happened. 
And Monica's mom kind of degrades her too, calling her, you know, you know, he can do better than that stewardess. They really, they, as well as they handled the basketball mm-hmm. in this movie, they handled the ending really poorly. Yeah, like what's wrong with being a, you know, that they, they really showed nothing that was wrong with her. Uh, like I said, it was at the end of the movie, so I don't think they really thought it through and had enough time to flesh it out of why, you know, she didn't cheat on him. Maybe she did something to him. Maybe she cheated on another basketball player. Like, they didn't do anything to say that, hey, this is a a cool thing to do to somebody that you supposedly love and want to get married to. It, it just it just doesn't it doesn't work, uh, you know, for me. I know it works for a lot of, you know, people because they just wanted them to get back together. But the way that they did it never really worked. Uh, you know, for me. And that's when Tyra Banks was on like the Mount Rushmore of, yeah. of, of women in, in pop mm-hmm. culture. Oh, so uh, something, something to shift from that of, of what I improved kind of related. I would do less mom conflict with Monica. That whole, that, that whole storyline of, you know, they're kind of button heads cause she's a tomboy and her mom's a housewife and, I, c- I could have done with less from that, honestly. That's not what I. That's not what I came to see this movie for. Yeah, I think they were trying to do, you know, her mom, his dad, and that those different kind of everything about the movie is a little yin and yang. You know, it's always a little, you know, whatever he has, she has, and whatever he, you know, it's kind of like the different, the opposites of, of whatever. So I think that was part of it, but they definitely could have maybe left some of that out and fixed the ending. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. The only basketball thing I would have liked to have just seen more Quincy. Uh, I would have liked one of those first-person Quincy scenes. It would have been a good juxtaposition of they do the first-person Monica scenes. She's stressing. She's you know look at the ball, look at the ball. You got to make this basket. You know all that stuff because she she kind of sounds really frantic and just kind of do a first-person scene of him and he's relaxed and he's confident and he's like I'm about to take this dude to the hole. Or I'm a pull up, you know. I'm a pull up on this guy. Look at these recruiters in the stands, something like that, and and show more of his, you know, where he where he was at mentally. I would have just liked to have seen a little bit more Quincy. He he he's supposed to be the star player, you know, the best player on the court. But they mm-hmm. kind of showed him as a little bit of a whiny uh, person, and really didn't show his confidence. I think that was on purpose because they wanted to show Monica as that person. So they didn't want to get, I guess, have two people like that. But uh, it, I don't know if it was, it kind of worked for me in the sense that even, you know, sometimes even though they're stars, uh, they're still like a vulnerability. Think, I think Kevin Durant, for example, like Kevin yeah. Durant, you know, top three player in the NBA, but he's super sensitive and always seems to have issues, even though everything else in the world is the way he plays on the court is, is, is unmatched. So uh, I think they were going, you know, not going for the Kevin Durant, but the, going for that type of, you know, vibe that even though he has pretty much everything going for him, there's still a lot that is going on behind the scenes uh, that is making him, you know, feel the way that he does. Quincy might have had a couple burner Twitter accounts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If this was in 2019, absolutely. Yeah, so I would have just, I think the movie probably focused on Monica basketball-wise probably like 65-35. I would have yeah. liked to have seen that closer to 55, 45, just a little more getting into his head basketball wise, uh, yeah. showing him a little more on the court. But other than that, I mean, all in all, this this movie holds up really well, you know, basketball wise. And I mean, even you look at the, uh, you know, you look at how it's described, you look at the poster, it's them holding up a basketball, but them kissing like, and you look at the year it was released in 2000. It, this has on paper it seems like 
this is all romantic drama and it's going to have some, you know, bullshit throwaway basketball storyline. And it, it really did the part. I think that has to do a lot with uh, Spike Lee produced it. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. diehard Knicks fan. I don't think he's going to let him mail it in. But, I, you know, they, they could have easily mailed this in and still probably had a successful movie. Mailed it in basketball-wise and still just made it all about the romantic drama. But they didn't. This holds up as a basketball movie and it's just a movie in general. It's great. Yeah, it worked. It worked it, like I said, it, it definitely worked for me. Like the things that we're talking about are some nitpicking uh, type of things. But I thought it was a uh, a very good uh, a very good movie, and I like the way that it showed different perspectives than what you would expect from a, a basketball love story type of movie. I thought it kind of flipped the switch um, on it, and I think that's why it holds up today. Agreed, and I really appreciate you coming on to talk about this movie with me. Uh, if you could, you know, let the listeners know where they can follow you. Uh, yeah, wh- wh- where can they follow you? What can they expect to see uh, from from Black Sports Online this year? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at BSO. Uh, my Instagram is BSO TV. That's where we do a lot of the videos. And Facebook is Black Sports um, Online. Um, you know, we're, one of the things that we're going to do is getting into the, uh, you know, the hockey and the NBA uh, playoffs. So we're very heavy on that. And we're very going to be very heavy on the, uh, the talking about movies, you know, very heavy on the movie. The summer movies just came from the uh, in-game uh, world premiere and did a review on that. So we're going to be doing more of that. Uh, in the summer so more videos more content more tweets more ig so just you know and you know now in 2019 you gotta do a little bit of it all and then that's what we're trying to do well that's great and you guys are doing great work over there and uh yeah everyone everyone make sure you go follow robert if you enjoyed this podcast make sure to check out previous episodes you might have one of your favorite sports movies on there uh please follow rate subscribe uh we're on itunes google play spotify soundcloud uh, you know, if you rate and review, it's going to really help grow this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Trouble Pod. Follow us on Instagram at Trouble with the Script Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Banduho. And catch us next Thursday. Thank you.